0: Hello and welcome to Dowdy, the podcast where me, Mariana Feijó, talk to my guests about the concept of bravery, or braveness, even just the moments where folks have been slightly out of their comfort zones. This year I've been brave because I posed naked for a wank mag. Yes, you've heard it right. We talk a little bit about body image in this episode, so I thought it was fitting to, to talk about this one on the intro. Uh, it's been a process, it's not the first time I pose naked for photos, it's been something I've done as a way of getting more comfortable in my body the first time I did it I've just responded to a call out on Facebook from this photographer who was coming from Germany and had rented a studio in Wick somewhere in like an industrial area very deserted and as I was walking there <laughs> I started thinking is this a real person? Am I just going to, like, a weird room in Hackney Wick where someone is trying to catch a bunch of defenseless women trying to I don't know, steal their kidneys or something? Uh, <laughs> is this woman real? Does this photographer exist? Does this uh, project about uh, communication, and and interpersonal relationships that she posted on Facebook exist? It did exist. Some of those photos, or at least one of the, the those photos is on her Instagram account. A couple of them are on my wall in my room and center stage on my Zoom calls. Ever since this pandemic started. Not ever since, because I spent the first two months in Portugal. And my photos stayed in my room in London. But yes, they, they exist. They, I look at them every day. And yeah, the same way. Prancing around naked and looking at yourself naked in a mirror. It's a way of making you be less bothered by little things in your body that maybe you've come to believe were not nice. Looking at yourself like framed in your wall next to a photo that I won a prize for, unlike some other pieces, bits of art that I bought it's nice, it's like I'm art the second time I posed naked for a photo was for um, a project, I think it's been a year since that happened more or less, Uh, a little bit longer I guess, for a project called Gender Project, you can find it on Instagram they went on to um, to photograph a lot and it's a project that, that questions the concept of gender and for that the photographer started by photographing 100 people in London, naked from the waist up, and had like little chats with them. And we were all those 100 photographs were exhibited in a gallery in London, I was able to go to a (laughs) to an art opening at a gallery in London and look at a a huge, uh, I don't know how how big they were, but they were huge photos. (laughs) Look at a huge photo of myself topless with like one of. My smiles, the smile was on my face, not on my boobs, but my boobs were featured <laughs> very front front of stage in that exhibition. It was weird when, while I was next to the photo, when people were coming in to look at stuff, it was weird to be there. Like I'm. It's like I'm naked here in the middle of the gallery, but it's just the photo. I'm wearing clothes, and then someone... I think I wasn't standing next to the photo. Someone mentioned, oh, your photo is really nice or something like that. I can't remember what they said, but they mentioned the fact that they had looked at my photo and I was like, (laughs) where's the hole for me to hide? Uh, (laughs) The last installment of this bravery of mine of uh, posing naked for photos is an Arts Council funded project. It's a project I've been working on for a long time that looks at queerness in the Georgian period. I'm doing it with Ducky and a group of us layman people have been going into art galleries and museums and looking at art from, art from the Georgian period, prints and paintings and other stuff, and questioning what is queer about them, where are the queer characters in the Georgian period at that time. In London, there were more gay bars, the molly houses, that there are today in London. And this project will culminate with what was supposed to be a ball, and now may not be a ball, maybe some reduced format of that at the Bishopsgate Institute in February, and a program for that is a wank mag, where some people posed naked. And I was one of those people. I have told people their graphic pictures, people who have seen them, said, oh, when he said they were graphic, I thought they were more graphic. So they're probably not graphic. But some of them, I do believe they are art. And it's not because I'm the model. But the photographer is Holly Revel, And they're just beautiful. I think I look beautiful in them. So yeah, that's like another step in my acceptance of myself. They're beautiful. They. I'm looking forward to having the white mag in my hand. And seeing myself printed in it will also have access to the um, high-resolution photos. So there may be another naked photo of myself hanging in my room walls. And maybe one day, if I have, if I'm allowed to decorate something more than my room, they will will have a more prominent uh, space in my house that more people will come into and be able to see very intimate parts of my body. And that will be another brave step, I guess, if that happens. As for Doughty, the episode starts as it always starts, with my guest, Lou Gonzalez, introducing himself.
1: My name's Lou Gonzalez. Uh, I'm a comedian based in New York City right now. Uh, I've been doing comedy for about 10 years. It's been, my 10 year anniversary was in March, actually. And what else about me? Uh, I'm queer, I'm brown and uh plant parma is one of my favorite meals. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> now you're making me hungry cuz yeah, yeah it's close to to dinner time here so mm.
1: <laughs> there we go. I mean you must. Yeah. What's the situation? Like you guys are a, you guys are starting a new lockdown?
0: Yes, on Thursday we will be locked again.
1: We've technically have never been locked but also have been locked if you're smart Yeah, um, in the US.
0: I do feel like in New York in particular, it feels from my my looking in from the outside, it feels like people are being smarter than here in London. Because here I haven't seen, even during, I didn't spend like the first lockdown here because I went to visit my parents and got stuck in Portugal. But I came back before the lockdown was lifted, like a couple of days, and it felt like everything was the same except for the shops being closed. Everyone was outside, not wearing masks, having picnics in the park. So yeah, it didn't feel... uh...
1: People are doing that. People are... uh, uh, In New York, because of everything that happened, more people are wearing masks Mm -hmm. when going outside. But lately, I've seen people not wearing masks a lot, and that... Causes concern for me, and I think, you know, I think that's what happens when those who are responsible, quote unquote, responsible, there's mixed signals. People are naturally going to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. If there is, and also it goes to show you in other areas like how easily people are swayed by just someone being stubborn.
0: Yeah.
1: Like they're like, well, this person's doing it. I was like, well, why are you pointing at other people as a reason for you to do? Like you need to make up your own mind based on your own decisions. There isn't a lot of critical thinking. I think I will say this, I don't know if the internet has helped people's ability to think on their own because they've had assistance for so long being like, well, what's this? Rather than actually putting in the effort to find it out, (laughs) things are a little bit easier. It has to have some impact on the brain's capacity to process information, to process quick information, to, you know, I think like I don't know. It's a catch twenty two because information is more accessible. It's a good thing, but also I think it's also made people lazy in their ability to think on their own.
0: Yeah, and there's like a lot of information. So there's information that is correct, and there is information that is not correct, and it's hard to for people to just like navigate that, I guess. And yeah, we see that uh, people's attention span is uh, way shorter. So it's hard for you to like actually look into stuff. So go check the sources because that takes time. That's not like immediate information. Yeah,
1: I think also things play into your biases. Like I will have, if I see something that shares what I already think, I'll be like, well, this has to be accurate, but I don't fact check the source. Yeah. And I went to school for journalism. And one of the things that I realized is how bad outlets already were in terms of sourcing their information. And how you at least should have two or three sources yeah. just to confirm anything. That's not every; it's all gossip now. Everything's all gossip now, which is wild because yeah. because they're like, well, it there's a re- like it's a catch one it's a catch twenty two because like while it is good to get information, you're not getting the full story, and so things are pl- are going to play out a lot slower. Like God knows, truly, I mean, you're you caught me at an interest you caught me at an interesting time in our country. Where it's just like we're right now on the precipice of like understanding how bad we are in terms of in terms of like how much of our population is caked in racism. Yeah. <laughs> and and, uh, 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 and quote unquote now, I don't like using words like nationalism and things like that. I think it's I think it's pleasantries that are reserved for people who do you know, like and courtesies that I don't think are deserved or earned by these people, they're racist. They're, uh, they're misogynistic. They're they're monsters. And to see how that was always part of regular talk to me is, is has always been frustrating. And this year has kind of been validating, but not in a fun way.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been like one of those uh, hit years, right? Everything happened this yeah. year. So yeah, it's yeah. I've
1: always spoke out about the treatment of myself and the differences of how I was treated as a person of color and how people in this country have always been treated this way. And, you know, I was, and it's still untold, like it doesn't help you like talking like that. It doesn't, and it doesn't, it doesn't help me talking like this. It doesn't provide me opportunities. People are more reticent to work with me, but it's really interesting over the past year people have now like, Messaged me and be like, you know, I really appreciate like you being able to talk about things. And I was like, yeah, you weren't saying that last year. Yeah. <laughs> it's not saying that last year.
0: It's a little strange because I feel like because it's so 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 visible on the news and on the internet, I think people are more willing to listen. Because I think well, there's way, yeah. a, a lot of defensiveness from the people per- perpetrate. i white people who act- who are the people per- perpetrating the. Um, uh, racism, yes, and other yeah. words and, and of the some, kind. And
1: subtle racism, and that's the thing. I was coming after liberals. Yeah. I, like, I'm in a liberal bubble, and I was telling them, I was like, you need to check your biases. You need to check them. They're like, what are you talking about? They're like, I'm not burning a cross. I was like, you don't need to burn a cross to be a problem for me. And I, I, and also, you don't need to burn a cross to be ignorant. Like, they, they were taught and trained because it protected their own privilege, That to be a racist were in extremes. So if you looked at extremes, you know, then they would look at that and be like, well, that's not me. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm explaining to you the nuances and the subtlety of your ignorance. And you don't understand that because you have been protected by it. You've been protected by people that look like me who want to be successful. And so they'll hold their tongue. And they don't wanna, you know, you don't want, people don't wanna hang around someone who's telling them. When they fucked up, every time they fucked up, that's not a fun person to be around.
0: It's true. I've uh, since I've become more vocal and I've said this in this podcast before, I'm invited for less parties. So yeah, because I always call out when someone is doing something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like there's a balance. It's like you can't always exist in a rage. You know, you have to enjoy life and understand that it is complex and these things take time. And this anger that you have. Is a manifestation of a frustration that, and uh, of just your ultimate ability that you can't control the world. Guess what? No one can. And so you have to understand what is the world that I live in, what is happening, what is the best way to navigate these spaces, but still hold true to your principles. And you know, sometimes the answer is, you know, a polite conversation. Other times the answer is um, throwing a brick at a window different communication gets different attention. And everyone tries to dismiss all types. Communication is communication. Whatever gets you to the table to talk, whatever gets you to understand what's going on, but also that that is not the totality of one's life. But at a certain point, frustration bubbles and that that happens. And I think it's, I don't even know, I rambled into this, (laughs) but like in, in, in other words, it's like, it's just one of those, it's a very tricky, not tricky, it's just a very, it's a nuanced conversation that, that it is hard to, to everyone be, to be on the same page because it requires experience and patience which I don't know if people have. I don't know if I've always had it.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, Will you say that uh, the moments when you call out uh, the things that happen to you uh, are the moments when you t- try to have that conversation with people who are uh, less willing to listen are moments in which you are being brave?
1: I guess it is. I guess I, because other people wouldn't do it. But I, I, was, I will say this. I was told that I sabotaged opportunities for myself by friends because of the things that I said or, or, or speaking out. And from their perspective, I understand where they're coming from. Like I understand that by speaking out, it does not make me look good. Um, it doesn't make me, it doesn't mean, it doesn't, I'm not easy to work with. Period, end of story. I've never been easy to work with. I'm a very stubborn person and unfortunately for other people, more times than not, I'm right. <laughs> and th- you would say, well, this sounds like the machinations of a stubborn person. And I'm not going to disagree with you there. But like, it's more times than not, I'm I'm open and willing to listen to things. But when it comes to certain things, I'm just like, I'm just, I don't have the time for it. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And, and sometimes it's not even things that are about me. I'm more passionate about things that affect people that I care about more so that things that happen to me. things can happen to me. I'm fine. But when I see it happen to people who I care about or people who I value, that's when, that's when I speak out. More recently, I've been speaking about things that have been happening to me. And yeah, that was, I would say that was difficult. Because I knew that in talking out about it, it will hurt. I spoke up about I spoke out about an experience that I had at the CBS showcase, and literally, like, was told that someone reached out to someone was like, "Well, can you believe what they said?" Even though a lot of it's not true, I was like, "No, most of what I said was true. It's just your perception of it." Was that, you know? And I think that there's such an exploitative aspect to the entertainment industry that is just accepted yeah and i'm not about it
0: <laughs> yeah it's one of those i'm just not about it i i find because if w- looking from the outside you maybe think that uh, opportunities are being created but when you see people like you talk about it are the opportunities being created created or is ju- is it just a, a, um, a facade for the outside
1: world? I would say it's 50-50. I think I would say a lot of these corporations, the only reason why they do anything is to maintain their status and, their, and maintain their market value. And, and if your corporation is looked at as racist or biased, you have to do things to sort of combat that. And so... All of these networks and all of these everyone in the entertainment industry has constantly been criticized about the lack of representation. Still to this day, and they would what they would do are small gestures. It wasn't real change. It's they never do that. Big entities that are immovable, they're too old and rigid to have the ability to move around and make changes, number one. Number two, they don't want to. Yeah. If what worked last year works this year, then there's not a problem. Yeah. And if it's about feelings, they don't give a shit, and they never did. And so it's a business. And so it's that fact then affects how everyone interacts within this spectrum. If it is a business and you're just trying to get your money, then you are going to do certain things to get that. And then once you're in a place of success, you can then start opening doors. And for me, I say, fuck that. Let's start making changes now where we are currently, Um, where I am currently. Why do I have to wait? Why do I have to wait to be treated as a person and not devalued why do i have to wait that is something that you put on me i don't have to do shit the choices that i make obviously have repercussions and i'm very okay with that but i am not going to be treated as any less than who i am and sometimes i overreact to things because i'm constantly on the defensive about that but most of the time i'm pretty on par like i'll I just don't I just don't see the purpose of holding my tongue.
0: yeah I also like although I do understand that some people because of the the place they are in life or uh how they were born as uh, have less uh, there's less uh, danger for them to say things out loud and maybe they should say things out loud more often because they are in a position where they can say it but I also think that the only way we can uh make real changes by talking by saying what is wrong and so yeah i also yeah waiting for things to change is not how things will change because if no one is trying to change them they won't change
1: i decided to make a shift in what my focus was and the things that i valued and once i did that my choices became actually very clear and so once i knew what it was that I wanted or or, or desired. Like people always ask them like, well, Lou, what do you want? And I would always answer change. I want change. That's what I want. That's why I did this. I did this because I didn't see people like me. I did this because I didn't see voices like mine. And so I had to make the choice and I'm still grappling with it. Do I invest in myself and it's one drop in the puddle? Or do I invest in other people? You know, teach a man a fish sort Mm -hmm. of theory. And do I empower people to have the strength to navigate? And therefore, there's a slew of people who are moving forth in this and are making change at the same time. And I think it's about finding that balance for me, because I want both selfishly. I want to have individual success, but ultimately I want to see the successes of the people who I run into and touch so sometimes more than I want my own. And I think it's, I think it's tricky. And I think also I realized I was like, oh, I, it's hard for me to like keep, like I have a pretty expressive face. It's hard for me to not hold my displeasure. Sure. And so if there's some racist fuckery going on or if there's some homophobic fuckery going on, they're going to know something's up with me. And I know that about myself. And in knowing that about myself, I had to make certain decisions. I was like, my first internship, I just didn't care for how they treated me. And they were like, Lou, your face, it just didn't seem like you were happy. I was like, I had no idea what I was doing the whole time. I was wildly confused. I didn't know what to do. And what I realized was I was powerless. And what I realized is like, oh, no, no, you have agency to do what you want. I was, I came from my family who told me, it was like, you keep your head down and you work. If you just keep your head down and you work, you'll be okay. And that didn't work out for them.
0: Yeah,
1: That didn't work out for them. It just didn't. Like they're both, like they had to go to, my mom had to go to court with her job just to get paid severance because she had to step away because she was hurt on the job. But she had to fight them for it. You would think all this time that she spent there that there would be, but at the end of the day, it's not. Yeah. for some people and that sucks and when you see that you're like well if that is a possible route why am i why am i talking to these people like they're good, like they're my friends they're not my friends yeah. they're not it's a business and and that's fine so it's like well socially how do i speak to these businesses and really it's about they don't want to look bad
0: yeah they
1: don't want to look like they're exploiting people they don't want to look they don't want to look like they're doing the things that they always do And so it's about figuring out, picking and choosing the battles. But for me, sometimes I'm just like, I'm cool burning the whole house down. I don't mind starting over. I I got time. I got time. I'm 35. That's pretty young. 35, I don't mind starting things over. In five years, around
0: 40, things will start picking back up again. I'm cool with that. That's that's that I think is brave because I am a month away from being 35, and one of the things that scares me the most is uh, starting again because I've I've started I've changed careers and. I sometimes feel like oh shit I'm like in comedy I'm so young in my comedy life but I'm I'm 35 so what's what's happening I feel like I'm getting old and not uh, getting the opportunities and that's like what I try to I try to calm myself uh, down and realizing that there's so much life still and I'm so young in comedy yeah. so it's fine yeah. uh but it's one of those pressures uh, from society I guess that tell you uh, no you can't uh, You need to do it. Well, yeah, we're
1: we're constantly being told stories that already have been told and are trying to be convinced that that story is our story, but it's not. It's just not. Yeah. And and you can find similarities. You can find things, but that's someone else's story. That's not your story. And so I can look at all of my friends and, and their successes and the things that they've navigated and feel comfortable and be like that. I'm glad for them. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that these things happen to them because also I've, you know, the grass is always greener. I've had friends who have been like, oh my god, their things are must be so awesome for them. They're doing this. They're doing that. And then when I catch up with them, they're a fucking mess. <laughs> they're like, God, this sucks. I hate this. I just I don't know. And so it's about, it's about the compromise of, what is it that you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the thing that you're doing worth the time and effort that you're putting into mm-hmm. it? Is it worth the money that you are or are not getting? And each person has a different answer. And sometimes those people are in the same space. Yeah. You know, I, when when I did the CBS showcase, they gave us a stipend. The stipend we didn't get until the very end, two weeks after everything was done. They told us to come in in October. I didn't get a check until February. And so I'm in LA all this time from New York, I have no no way of making money. So I had to hustle. And so while I'm doing that, I'm also doing this showcase. And I, I had a lot of resentment on this billion dollar corporation making me feel like I had to struggle just for the opportunity. I was like, well, if you saw me as a talent and you valued me, what is my value to you? Or am I just a token?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: like? every other time you've done these things. Because I find that there's no comprehensive learning in a lot of these, quote unquote, um, incubators. They never really educate those who they're bringing into the fold about what they're bringing you into. That's the one thing about inclusivity that I always question. Who is doing the including and what am I being included in? Because that matters. Just because I'm in doesn't mean that it's good. Not every seat at the table is worth having. Yeah. And so that is something that I had learned that I did not know. And I'm grateful for those experiences. And I'm grateful for understanding that that there were people throughout this, because CBS is a big corporation. There's people who were good, who really wanted to make change happen, who were excited about what they were doing and it was a passion for them. And there were people who were just like using it as, a means to feel powerful um, and and have power over somebody um, and then there were people who just didn't care and all those people just like anything else work within a microcosm yeah. and you just have to find the people who you value and go to them and work with them because and i'll say i was pretty sloppy i was i, I complained pretty openly and they're like damn they're like chill i was like no you're not paying you're 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 not paying me. You're not paying me to be chill. You're not paying me to be cool. You're not paying me to bust my ass. You're giving me the hope
0: yeah. which is, of an opportunity. Which is something people which, play with, I guess. And that's how I mean it's
1: yeah, it's exploitation. Yeah. Listen, all I know is all of my friends who did that showcase, they're not on TV being stars. So what is it that you're promising me? What is it that you're promising me? What is it that you're giving me? What have I flown out for? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. And what was worth the squeeze was going to LA. And and, and the experience of being around and, and meeting those people, that was the value. I will never take that away. That experience was very formative for me and very helpful and truly enlightening and showed me how good I am as a performer. Like I would never... I would do it all over again. I'm not even saying that it's a, like I'm compa- Like I'm not trying to say that, they, that the exp- that the people who work there were shitty. I'm just saying that it's a corporation and shitty people work in corporations. Yeah. And you're just gonna deal with that no matter where you go. At the end of the day, it's a business and different people have different allegiances. And you just have to find the people whose allegiances lie or focuses lie with what you're doing. Go to those people, work with those people, continue to stay in touch with those people, build relationships with those people because those will flourish and grow into really beautiful things. I didn't do that.
0: Yeah.
1: I cut it I cut it all off because I was just so angry. I was like, I don't want to talk to anyone from this thing. I hated it so much. And I would say that was probably my only regret. Yeah. In terms of doing that. Yeah. And I think it's 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 a learning experience like anything else because it's just like, oh the next job I'll know. I'll be better. I'll be a better version of myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there moments in your life in which you haven't done things for lack like, lack of bravery or or maybe fear? I mean, I've I've I,
1: like everyone experiences lack lack of bravery. Everyone experiences cowardice. I experienced it. I experience it all the time. It, it it's 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 not a net game. You know, I mean, I think it isn't a game. It's like, it's about the totality of the things that you do, not about what you did today. Um, it's about consistency. And I'm trying to think of, I mean, yeah, there, there's so many times in which I've seen bad acting in terms of like, I've seen shittiness being done to me or been done to uh, uh, people that I care about. And I held my tongue. I think that's probably why I'm so vocal is those experiences really stung with me more. Yeah. Just sitting with it and going to sleep at night with these thoughts. I was like, I need to do something about this. I need to do something about what's happening. Cause I, again, I have control over my life. I have control over a very small aspect of it, but from within that I can control, you know, But when it does happen, it's shocked. Like when shitty stuff happens to you, like everyone, everyone says that, you know, that they're ready for it, but they're not. No one's ready for it. Everyone, you're shocked when it happens because you don't expect it. And sometimes when it's so brazen, you don't expect it. And so, you know, sometimes you kill yourself because you're like, in my thoughts, I would be so much better, but it's not about that. (laughs) It's. It's not about these movie moments because these movie moments were just movie moments. They're consolidating the totality of a human being, of a journey that took years and years, in an hour and a half. Yeah, things aren't gonna be accurate. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people fuck up all the time. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. It's a goddamn mess. Every day is a goddamn mess. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it. It's a new opportunity to make a fun mess. To make a good mess, rather than make a bad one. I don't know if I answered it specifically. I think I answered it generally.
0: Yeah, but I think it but it yeah. comes to it it uh, helps uh, shape something that we've been finding out with this podcast, which is maybe you you learn from the moments in which you haven't been brave, and you end up being brave later.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you don't feel shitty about the moments that you weren't. Yeah, but also don't let those things haunt you, because it's not as big like those moments should never be that big that it alters you completely. Do not let, you know, these traumas do not be just a formation of your traumas, Mm -hmm. you know, affirm your joy, affirm the good things that are happening because that is what you could learn from. When I teach improv, one of the things that I notice is once I start talking to students about what they can't do, I start seeing their limitations. Isn't that weird? Like that happens in improv, but in order to have a more successful scene, you kind of have to be aware of what works and what doesn't work. But sometimes you got to just let someone do it. That's why humanity is always going to be cyclical because in order for us to learn certain things, we kind of have to fall. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are trying to protect themselves from the fall and i'm just like fall you got to fall you have to you can't avoid it you know and i think every time that something bad happens or something sucky happens it can it may consume you but what you need to understand is what really what was this and how much of it was within your control and other things that were within your control what is something that you can take to heart but not as law because anything and everything can be altered and changed because humans are like that. We're not every, not one person is the same. You could, three different people could do the same action and what is generating that action could be vastly different. One could be sinister, one could be good and one could be neutral, but all of them will have the same effect. Yeah. Like when I was talking about like my time at the showcase, yeah. Is it, kind of a, a marketing ploy for this conglomerate to be like, hey, we're not racist when obviously the history of their company shows them that they are that? Of course it is. But also there's people within there who definitely want that change and are working for it and are utilizing the bad intentions for something good. Yeah. And I think you can't let that, con- I think that was my problem. I let that consume me. I let my thought of the overarching ignorance, consume my feelings about the whole thing, rather than understanding the different shades that encompassed that experience.
0: Yeah, is there? And we are living in like such a uh, an odd period of time to be asking this question. But is there something coming up in your life for which you think you will have to be brave?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't. You can't sit back and watch shit happen and hope that you come out like roses you can't i it's easy it, i know it's easy to do that and then say well my thoughts were were good and i was rooting for you that's one of the things that like i would hear from friends while i was speaking out against things they're like you know i was on your side i was like well you didn't say shit when that was happening you didn't say shit 10 years I was in comedy. There was so much bullshit going on. And then this year, you know, all these things are being said. And they're like, I didn't know. I was like, no, you could have known if you cared enough too. Yeah. And also it, it's easier for you to stand by rather than stand up. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to be a, what's uh not a bystander, but a viewer.
0: Yeah.
1: Life is not to be, be experienced through your eyes. It has to be experienced through your actions. It has to be experienced through the things that you do, not the things that you hope to do, or the things that you wish you did. Yeah. And so uh, I'm working on putting together a theater in New York. That's exciting. And with with the thought of celebrating and nurturing voices in, that have not been nurtured and celebrated. And this goes back to my whole uh, teaching man a fish sort of thing. I 100% believe that if I put in all of my effort and energy, I could be very successful in entertainment. Like I, I just, I just know it. But I don't. But it's not satisfying. It's very short-lived. And one of the things that I've really come to appreciate is when working with people and empowering them, seeing it pay dividends. I've had such joy watching people on stage far more than I had being on it. And so hopefully with this new theater, I can create more of those opportunities for myself, but also go on stage and do some stupid shit. Yeah. And create and challenge myself because I'm also still Growing as a performer, I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to is investing in myself more. One of the things in quarantine that I realized that I wasn't doing was investing in myself, and and when I when I when I was doing showcase, I realized I was not investing in myself in the way I should have, um, or taking care of myself really. Like I, after L. A., it sort of changed me. I lost a lot of weight because I just just started to do things to take care of myself in a different way. And that showed itself physically. Mentally, I was still a mess. Um, Mentally, I was still a joke.
0: (laughs) You have to start somewhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but like in looking at, in terms of things that I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to that theater. I'm looking forward to working with people again. And, and and what's great is it's all going to be digital. So it's not going to be limited to space anymore. It's only going to be limited to time. Time is the only um, uh, border. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And, and I'm not saying, that, I, I will say this, I'm a really good fucking teacher. I'm good. You are, I'm I can really vouch at, for that. <laughs> yeah, because I want to see the person I want to see the person through their art and rather than through my narrow understanding of what I did. What I did means nothing. What you do says more about you than what I want you from. you. My expectations are limited by my experiences. There's no way I know the totality of you as a teacher coming in or as a director coming in my job is to learn from you and pick up on what are things that you're doing that I have noticed in others and can these things that I do that have helped those help you and if not what can I do to change that because again not everyone's the same but that is is—it's a huge part of education that's a huge part of growth that's a huge part of just being a person I think like Certain universal truths that I've come across have helped me infinitely in everything. And I think the main thing is is that everyone's going through their own shit and you have no idea. And sometimes, and it's okay sometimes for you to be selfish and be like, this is what I think is happening. This is that. Because, like I said, I'm stubborn. Yeah. I'm, am being, you know, I'm being very like open in a lot of the talk that I've been having. But still, there's certain things that I'm just like, no, fuck you, this.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> there's think... just certain things that that I'm, you know, I'm trying to get better at it. Yeah, but I think there, there, there is need to to uh, for some stubbornness in order to to get things done.
1: There ha- First of all, there has to be some sort of stability. Yeah. There has to be some. There's that, that, Like, you know, I have a tenant in which I follow in terms of things that work and things that don't. And the reason why things work and the reason why things don't. and I keep using them and they have worked. They work in everything. It's a matter of storytelling because, you know, improv I think is the most core form of expression in terms of storytelling, because it's coming from the source. It's untapped, it's rough. It's not good most of the time. It's not filtered. And so how do you, how, It's like, oh, I need to know the person in order to know the improviser. Or I need to know an aspect of humanity or a universal truth in order to tap into each performer's skill. And also understand what comedy is. Comedy is about truth. So it's about a combination of like, well, comedically what works and also in terms of humanity, in terms of the human experience what works and and what overlaps and I think that's where real good comedy hits Mm -hmm. because it's something that resonates with you. I think that's also why comedy a lot of times is regional. It's hard to transfer over because we're not sharing the same experiences. So therefore, how we express those experiences are not read or interpreted the same way. Um, But that's why I got to say universal truths. That's a huge thing. I'm a rambler. (laughs) I'm rambling.
0: You asked me one question. I gave you my life story like a fucking idiot. But that's that's like as long as you're okay with it, with having your life story uh, on a podcast, I'm really happy with it. Uh. I truly, I truly don't give a shit.
1: Like, listen, this is who I am. What what am I running? What am I running away from? Yeah. Like, I think that's the one thing that like people are like, you know, I don't want to share too much, or I don't want to. I was like, I'm an open book. I just for good or for bad i'm an open book it's just like i was like if you know who i am then you know how to navigate me and then that makes things a lot easier for me you know what i'm saying (laughs) like so you know me rather than you're trying to guess who i am and sure maybe you're misinterpreting who i am but that's on you that's not on me
0: yeah i think uh, and i'm going to like Again, there's no right or wrong or there's not like one definition for bravery in like uh, my my view of it and throughout this podcast. But I'm going to say that it is brave to s- stop thinking as an individual or like in, in those goals that you want to achieve and start thinking as a community maybe or like having goals for a community or a group of people. But I also think that for change to happen Individual actions have uh, very little results. So thinking about the change in communities or with communities, I think is more helpful than thinking about ourselves as individuals. So yeah, just like praising you for for that.
1: I I I agree, and also it's life
0: changing. Yeah, and I'll tell you and I'll tell
1: you why. I started, and this was only th- this is three years ago. This wasn't that long ago. This was like three four years ago. I started doing identity-based classes. Mm -hmm. I'm a queer person, and I'm also uh, a Latino, Hispanic, I'm brown. There's a lot of identifiers that don't necessarily translate in different cultures. I'm a gay person, homosexual, whatever, whatever you need to do to understand what I am, that's, I guess, the closest approximation that you can sort of you know, obviously it's not the totality of who I am, but just for you to understand, these are identifiers that I resonate with. And so I decided to do classes based on that. And what I saw when I was teaching these classes was a freedom I had not seen in a lot of these performers. And it was because of community.
0: Yeah,
1: It was because they felt safe to be themselves. And that elicited freedom, AKA bravery, because, we were able to, and these shows, they had a ripple effect. They really resonated with people um, in a very strong way. So much so that I was like, that sort of led to like my focus on things. And it sort of led me to opportunities. Like I was able to go to Europe and was flown out there to teach and do things because specifically of that, not because of my performing, but because of my educating. Now. I can crush on stage. I, I'm just like, I like. I don't want to, like, I'm super, like, I, I hate bringing that up because it's such a, but like, you do it long enough, you're like, well, I can hold my own. And it's true. Once you do it for long enough, you do the hours, you can hold your own. But it was in teaching and in working with these people in these groups and seeing them come to life that. I really discovered how little I knew about performance, mm-hmm. about vulnerability on stage and truly being free on stage. And I realized that I was limiting myself as a performer through those experiences. So like it taught me by, by creating community, I had, I had become a better individual. Yeah. And it led to opportunity because of that. Now, whether or not
0: that's a good or a bad thing, that's for someone else to decide. I liked it. It was fun. Isn't it beautiful, though, that like, in in maybe going away from a path that you thought was maybe, that you thought was right, and doing something, I don't know why you decided to do the more identity-based classes, but maybe it was like a, a side project or something like that. Isn't it Beautiful that by not doing your supposed path, you discovered something great.
1: Yeah. And I think everyone needs to follow what works for them and be honest about it and also put in the work. I think that's the hard part. The hard part is the work. The hard part is when you're by yourself and you're, you know, I I put in a lot of work in these shows and it paid off. I invested in people and this is the hard part. You're going to invest in people. You're going to put a lot into them. And they will disappoint you. Yes. They will they will they will interpret the things that you're doing or communicating with. They will take it the worst way. Or they will which in some cases is worse. They won't understand or respect it at all the whole time. And it is in those experiences that you need to double down on why you're doing what you're doing. Because several times, even the first time I did an identity class, it did not work out for everyone. Not everyone is gonna have a great experience. And sometimes that's out of your control. And all you can do is try to put your best foot forward each time you know i just had 20 people and shit blew up in my face can you imagine with larger movements Yeah. so it's it's a it's about understanding what's what is driving you what's moving you forward what is what is your north star because a lot of times people constantly change it and you just need to have a general one just one that just keeps you right and i've I've had that for the past four years and it has not served me wrong. And it's helped me navigate things. It's definitely helped me. I mean, I've lost people uh, because of it, but also it's was like, I don't know if I've lost them. We've just had moments that just did not add up. Yeah. Maybe down the road, we'll come back again. I, I don't think that's impossible from happening. I think if you, if your intentions are for the betterment of others in an unselfish way, then you'll always end up coming up roses for the most part. Shit will blow up for sure, but you just gotta keep putting your faith in people. I think that's the hard part is constantly putting faith in other people because it's easy for you to be like, I know my shit, I'm doing me. But it's very different when it's someone you either don't know or when their fear comes up and they're acting a certain way but you don't know why just to keep investing in them and just know that like there are things that you got to do and they can either join you or or not join you and that's okay that may suck and hurt your feelings but can't take this shit personal sometimes i know it's hard it's a hard thing to say but like you really can't like you're when you're thinking of community-based stuff you can't you can't think personally, what you're doing is bigger, is a bigger idea than you as an individual. So they're never going to look at you, the individual, they're going to look at the ideas, they're going to look at how things affect them. And I think that's a lesson that I, I am still learning to navigate and be okay with, and also still being okay with people. And just being like, you know what, kind of like a goldfish. That's a term that's used in sports a lot. A goldfish has like a 10 second yeah. memory. You gotta, you gotta move on. And I think that's mostly to, to keep you from screaming the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause, Cause shit can get hard. She can get hard. You know, it's hard right now, you know, considering everything that's going on. I'm just talking about art. I'm not even talking about all this other shit. All this other shit that, that's going on is wild. But that art influences life, and I think that's why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. I I do this because it's the impact it has on how people view the world. That's why I do this because of that. Otherwise, I wanted to be a lawyer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's I wanted to be a lawyer. Surprising.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not considering how much I'm fucking talking. Oh, oh, this, this, this Gabby mouth <laughs> motherfucker wanted to be a
0: litigator. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's a lawyer. Uh, but yeah, I, also
1: oh, So you're, so you're used to the, the, the space we take up in conversations. <laughs> my God, that's one of my biggest concerns always, is I take up a lot of space in conversation and I think maybe that's also maybe that like that's connected a little bit with my weight where I was always concerned I I, I didn't want people to look at me physically I wanted them to look at me as a person so a lot of what drove me was like you're going to see my value which is probably also why I'm so open if I was hot I don't know if I would be like this (laughs) I mean, by hot, I mean traditionally
0: Traditionally hot, hot, yeah,
1: Yeah, because I'm not gonna lie, I'm hot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a hot man, I'm sexy, but in the traditional sense in which we have been taught about, but, but I don't get free things by just smiling as much as other people, which I'd love to for a date, just be curious as to what, well, no, I do experience that, like once you are a comedian, And again, I'm I'm answering my own questions. (laughs) But, like,
0: (laughs) truly, I want to stop right there. I am a nightmare. I'm truly the worst. I was going to say that. I think, like, also people have different reactions to the same thing. I also like my way of dealing with uh, being a big A bigger person uh which i was bigger than i am today but yeah was to be quiet because i didn't want people to notice me and i was very quiet and i wouldn't uh, talk about myself because i don't want anyone to see me and so like i had to grow into being someone that will talk about myself and uh like i still yeah i don't know i like i love being on stage and people are seeing me when i'm on stage but in like real life situations, I still probably prefer being in a corner where no one is seeing me. <laughs> and I think yeah. that comes from the fact that, uh, yeah, uh, I hate using the word overweight because I think that makes, uh, that puts a, a, re- a point of reference that I don't agree with uh, in in the word, in the, um, in sizes. Well, yeah, because it's, yeah. I mean, because it's also triggering
1: because all of this terminology and all this stuff was, basically thrown at us when we were younger and it didn't make us feel good it made us feel other yeah. it it made me feel like i wasn't i wasn't normal or or that there was something to be ashamed of and it took a lot of work for me to be okay but that was other people's ignorance and once you start realizing that it was other people and their inability to accept you for whatever reason you know it becomes a little bit easier to be in your own skin but it doesn't stop the trauma that it caused (laughs) like it didn't stop the years of you having to deal with all this stuff and forming your personality like around that and you know you start like i started realizing the the ramifications of that in a more mac mac in a in a more isolated sense without when i'm with a partner That's when I start seeing the demons of that. Um, It's never as much when I'm out and about, but it's always when I'm with someone one-on-one when I really notice those insecurities, when I really notice those things where, where it really does pay off to be vulnerable. It becomes harder for me because I'm so used to just being out. Yeah. And I think it was because, and, and it's because of the insecurity of my appearance and also the insecurity of my sexuality and also the insecurity of me being poor and all these things. And it's just like, I don't know, just like own your shit. But it's hard. It's, it's hard. like, yeah. it, it's just something that's why affirmations are important because you have to be reminded of these things because you're a big old stupid dum dum. <laughs> Who's going to go back to your old bullshit and it's okay if you have a bad day you, day today you just move on to the next one and hope that works out.
0: Is that there... But you're awesome. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> you're
1: awesome. And being quiet is also a lot better than being a loud ass motherfucker like me <laughs> because a lot of people are like this guy's an idiot what the fuck like they don't have to look, you know? So like there's a catch 22 for all of these things. I wish I was a lot more quieter. I I truly am. It is truly one of my, bi- my, my biggest concerns is how much space I take. Uh,
0: <laughs> you, you did just make me realize that maybe part of it is also that I needed to give my mom space to <laughs> talk.
1: I think so. that's also another thing. It's like people, people who do know me and love me are just like, let him go. <laughs> and then when he tires out, we can then have a, a conversation. <laughs> No, we we're just like just let Lou work through his talk and then when he's done I'll just I'll just like do you want lunch like what's going go <laughs> <on? laughs> are you okay once
0: is yeah. there someone real or fictional or like a public figure or just someone from your own life that you would use as an example of bravery I don't I, I don't
1: like using other people
0: yeah fuck other people <laughs> I just
1: in terms of something that I use for me yeah oh I look at me now. I'm not talking. Um, I, sh- I I I did it. <laughs> yeah, you shut me the fuck up. Congrats. I mean, always my first my first thoughts are always like comedians and or like l- leaders in that sense. It's so cliche, but like I like the th- the first thought that came to mind for me was like Martin Luther King, and, I, and that's why I hesitated. I was like, I'm not gonna fucking use that as my template. I'm not. Martin Luther King, but like him, even though he has a lot of problematic opinions, Dave Chappelle, I think like what's interesting about him in particular is that I do think he is a genius. The problem is, is that, oh, he's not right about everything.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think it's about understanding sort of like that nuance, but I also understand that like in his standup, that it's also coming from another place of pain. Like he's looking at the privilege of the white queer to sort of justify his ignorant takes on the trans community, and so you know he's you know you want to punch up with comedy, so he frames it so that he's allowed to, but for the rest of us, he's just coming off as insensitive. But I mean, when you looked at his 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 piece after the whole George Floyd incident, you can't deny that this. He he's brilliant. He's
0: brilliant, yeah. I was also watching his interview with David Letterman on Netflix. And there's also, like, so many moments of brilliance in it uh, and of realizing how much he researches about things, which then also makes you think uh, why doesn't he...
1: Oh, I'll tell you why ego. Yeah. It's, it's ego. It's ego. He does not... I don't, like... When he talks about it, there's an anger there. And I've seen it a lot with a lot of these stand-ups or comedians or creators when they're confronted with their own ignorance. And I can only imagine, and as a stubborn person, I know this because I go through this a lot. When you're confronted with your own ignorance and your own weaknesses, your ego gets in the way and you look at what's being said to you as an attack. And on the internet, It is. And it is, at the end of the day, your livelihood as well is connected to that. And also it's more of a battle of your inner demons more than anything. And so what are you going to do? You're going to rage against it because you're going to connect it to things that it's not as powerful. I think that's one of the good things and the bad things about the internet is that it makes things larger than they seem. And we can't really have conversations because everyone is so defensive and and reactive rather than let's take a minute and understand this and I think with Chappelle we just took a moment to, to try to understand that this that yes there are people who are using this to attack you a hundred percent they are and, and and like I said earlier three different people will do the same action but the intent and energy behind it is very different and so while there are people that definitely are coming after him just because of him. There are people who actually love him and appreciate him that want him to be better.
0: Yeah.
1: And, but here's the thing, he doesn't have to be, that's the other thing, he doesn't have to be better. Yeah. He doesn't have to be, he doesn't owe that to you. I wish he could be, but he doesn't owe that to me. I can still appreciate his work and still look at him, like he is my comedic idol. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so hard for me to completely cut him off. I will never. I will never do that also because I see the nuance in it. But also in that, (laughs) in like talking about that, I'm like, well, maybe Lou, you should have more leniency on other people the way you do with him. And yeah, that's a good point. But I also like screaming at people. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And maybe the other people are just not as as talented. So yeah.
1: (laughs) I think that's also the thing, like that plays a huge role. It's like he already has so much equity about being right about so many things and being so truthful about it and honest that I'm like, you have to find your way right about this. And I think he's more so playing a game than he is not because again, he doesn't owe anyone anything. So he'd rather just fuck around with it. And also societally, we're at a place where literally the the trans community is so, so marginalized that I think that's what makes what he's doing even more ignorant and absurd and he's trying to come from a place that he's the victim and i'm just like no honey that's your ego that's your ego you're a man you're a man you're talking like a man right now so yeah like that shit's wild but yeah i guess it would be dave Chappelle. he's brave <laughs>
0: We have been recording for over an hour, so I will let you go. And the last thing, and the only thing I have left to ask you is if you have any plugs. Uh, You can catch me
1: um, on social media at Angry Lou. All platforms, it's always at Angry Lou. A-N-G-R-Y-L-O-U. And you could check out our theater. Um, Our theater is The Squirrel Theater in new york we're having classes in Januarys and workshops and things like that and it's open to people from all over as long as you can make the time of the class yeah
0: great this is this was great Lou. thank you so much for indulging me and having a conversation with me
1: no thank you so much mariana i really appreciate it you you're a good soul it's very easy to like get caught up in a whole bunch of shit but you're good people and so i'm happy to do this
0: thank you Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at at on Twitter and Instagram for all Dowdy updates. As all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. And do share the podcast with your friends or on your socials. Hashtag DowdyPod. I would also like to know your pics of people who, to you, are examples of bravery. Share them on your reviews or tweet them at me. Huge, huge thank you to Champanon for the podcast jingle and a bunch of other things that are podcast related. If you've enjoyed listening to Dowdy, have some spare to give, and would like to support me and help me improve on my tech and skills, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee on at Mariana's Beats. I've been Mariana Feijal, until next week.